Meta Valley of north central Washington state is a wild place. Curving between slopes washed green and gold with ponderosa pines and blue bunch wheatgrass, the valley is nestled within the 4 million acre Okanagan Wenatchee National Forest, home to elk, wolves, bears, and, like almost every national forest in the country, cattle. Cattle have been here for over a century, and so has the Stokes family. Fourth-generation rancher Vic Stokes is proud of that history. Having spent the day on horseback moving his cattle, Vic now sits back, tilts up his faded red ball cap, and reminisces. My great-grandparents and some of their children came in 1903. That was just three years before the Forest Service established a permit system to administer grazing on all suitable national forest land. To graze their livestock, ranchers pay a small fee of about $2 per cow-calf pair per month. This fee is five times less than the average cost of leasing private land for grazing. But ranchers like Vic aren't exactly getting rich. Ranching doesn't have a lot of economic output to it. You have to love the land, you have to love the, the lifestyle. Vic's love for the land radiates as he describes his family's legacy of raising livestock in the Metau. But he sighs as he explains some of his recent struggles as a rancher. 90% of our ranch got burnt in 2014. Uh, we lost 220 head of cattle. These losses could have forced Vic out of business if not for the financial assistance he received through the Farm Bill, a federal act designed in part to assist ranchers through times of crisis. We're very appreciative of that taxpayer dollar that comes in and, and helps solve some of our problems. But I, I think it's good for society that those problems can be solved. Speaking with Vic, I'm inclined to see public grazing as worthy of such support. After all, it's keeping family traditions alive and people like Vic in business, providing food for America. But when I evaluate public lands grazing from an ecological perspective, I discover that it comes with a steep price. At the Twin Peaks Spring in Utah's Fish Lake National Forest, that price is as clear as the cattle hoof prints in the mud. A murky pool stripped of vegetation and stamped into hummocks is all that remains of this once sparkling natural upwelling. I'm here with Mary O'Brien, environmental activist who has been fighting to protect public land from grazing degradation for decades. Mary explains that cattle's water-loving habits have caused most springs in Utah's national forests to look like this one. Cattle hang out in the riparian areas, that two to three percent area in the west that is the highest biodiversity. And that's where they want to be more than anything else. Riparian areas, the bands of habitat surrounding water sources such as rivers and springs, are critical to the survival of 80 percent of southern Utah's flora and fauna. To Mary's dismay, cattle are wreaking havoc on them. I don't want to go hike in the national forests or BLM land and see that the wildlife and plants are just losing. Thanks to Mary, Utah's wildlife and plants certainly won't lose without a fight. As director of Utah Forest Programs for an environmental nonprofit called the Grand Canyon Trust, Mary is currently working on an alternative management plan for the Forest Service. This plan details biodiversity loss in spring ecosystems and urges the government to install and repair fences around springs to protect them from cattle. 
But isn't fencing the rancher's job? asked Mary. It's their cattle, after all. Mary replies that no, the Forest Service funds most of these fencing projects. Taxpayer dollars at work again. Weren't taxpayer dollars also used to support the Stokes Ranch from going under? And to subsidize the cost of public grazing permits, making them five times cheaper than private fees? This doesn't seem right. I voice my doubts to Travis Bruner, director of the Grand Canyon Trust's Arizona Forest Program. He responds frankly. We were getting into hundreds of millions of dollars a year to administer the grazing program in the Western United States while it degrades the environment. Such investment in public lands grazing must mean it plays a big role in our agricultural economy, right? Actually, not at all, says Travis. Federal public lands grazing contributes just 3% of American beef production. Furthermore, fewer than 1% of jobs in the American West depend on public grazing. So why is our nation still so invested in it? That's no simple question. Travis proposes that there is certain political and cultural inertia behind ranching. Nostalgic American ideal of the West is a pastoral frontier for the rugged cattlemen. Americans would like to think of ranchers and their cattle as defining the West, not degrading it. Mary O'Brien puts it simply. People get incredibly emotionally attached to cowboys. After getting to know Vic Stokes, I too feel the lure of the cowboy aesthetic, the family ranch, the life lived in close contact with the land. But are family ranchers like the Stokes really the principal benefactors of public lands grazing policy? Mary suggests otherwise. The permittee with the most permits in southern Utah is a billionaire that lives in Santa Barbara, California. As it turns out, grazing permits are commonly held not by local ranchers, but by out-of-state billionaires. 40% of public grazing lands are controlled by just 3% of permittees. Most members of that powerful minority are wealthy urbanites and corporations looking for tax breaks. This imbalance makes Mary's work all the more important, and daunting. Yet she says there's nothing she'd rather do than conservation activism. It doesn't get better than being paid to tell the truth. And the truth is, with the livelihoods of good people like Big Stokes on the line, there's never a straightforward or easy solution. But in light of public grazing policy's great expense to our country's environment and economy, it's time we separate the pastoral cowboy aesthetic from the reality of public ranching. Public grazing policy needs amendment. In that regard, we could all learn from Mary's perspective. Why spend your time saying something's not going right? Take the responsibility to do something about it. National Public Lands Radio, this is Thomas Meinzen.